So um, <coughs> uh, I'm going to be speaking to you this afternoon. So I'm not yet sorry to disappoint any of you, particularly those who have travelled a long way. You didn't come to hear me speak, but um, it wasn't my idea. So um, yep. and, um, yeah, but, uh, but before I do that, um, we're going to give you an opportunity to so into Jennifer's ministry, even though it's not her speaking, but we just, so this is not a, an expectation on you, but we're just thinking, well, you may have gone out for lunch and thought, all I want to, and I didn't have anything this morning, so it's literally just a second round from this morning. Uh, if you if you want to, if you don't, be blessed and receive and, you know, like we're not, we don't put anything, like we've we've literally never once as a church in seven and a bit years taken up an offering for our church, so um, it's a little bit awkward and unusual for us. Um, but uh, yes, we have a tithing box on the wall over there, but um, but we've we've never done it, and and God has abundantly blessed us. So there you go. What a what a strange and interesting concept that good lo- God looks after His children. But um, <laughs> who would have thought? <coughs> but God bless any churches that take up offerings. But my thought is. You've got to teach people the same thing week after week. They're not getting it, so there's something missing in the, in the application process. But um, that's not what I want to be speaking to you about this afternoon. It's a whole other whole sermon. Awesome. How good's it been so far? Yep. Has anyone here for the first time, this is their first session of the conference? Anyone? No? So you're all veterans. Oh, one. Sorry, bless you, bless you, bless you. Again, I apologize. Uh, you, you didn't get what you came for, but uh, it's all right. I know. It's flagellating. Oh. <sighs> yep. All right. So we'll move on from that. Uh, yep. That's what, I, that's what I'm all asked for. Get me in line. I mean, not to say silly things, but I do it anyway. <sighs> I need an offering talk each each day for my wife. Um, and when I get tired, I, then I make silly jokes, and I become I become s- super hilarious, and then it's just distracting from the Word of God, and it's just difficult. So, but anyway, I wanted to talk to you this afternoon about healing the hearts of prophets. Uh, so what's been uh, spoken of and, and even released and called forth and impartation uh, to, for the raising up of prophets in the land. And, and even as it ties in, and if you followed the, the messages going on of the work that happened um, you know, Thursday night and then Friday morning we had a leaders and kind of regional leaders and intercessors gathering and, and prayed into a lot of stuff to do with the, the Python spirit which, um, and, uh, and different things like that, which really is a, is a regional thing that we've noticed as principality and that sort of thing. So praying into that, but then we need the prophets to, to rise up because the Python spirit constricts the voice of God. And so it's been following along in a pattern of what the Lord has been doing. Um, but f- for me, and, and I guess as a church, what we've noticed that as, as people come in and connect with us, uh, we get a lot of wounded church people. A lot of people that have been wounded by the church. Yes, <laughs> yes, most, most of them. Um, <laughs> it's good. Thankfully, we've, you know, the Lord has also released the, 
a, a healing and anointing for us to, to journey with people. But, um, but we really love the bride of Christ and we want to see the bride flourish. And, uh, and it's something where, where you start to notice how much damage the bride does to the bride. And I'm like, that's got to stop. Because uh, if the bride can't look after the bride, then how can the bride, you know, disciple nations and, and look after the world and reach out to the, the broken and the lost out there? Uh, but there's something of, of prophets in particular seem to kind of cop it the most uh, in the church. And, uh, and hopefully I'll give some insight as to maybe why uh, that's the case. Um, but in particular, we, we love the idea of heart prophets. Now, you've got, you know, prophets who, you know, might speak out directional words. And even as Jennifer would, would say of herself, an intercessory, a prophetic intercessor. And, and you know, kind of goes on little missions around and God uses her to, uh, to accomplish things in different areas. Uh, but I think the, the primary and kind of most common uh, prophetic ministry that we'd experience is the personal one and, and which is really a ministry to the heart of the other person because the heart is the place of transformation for every believer transformation happens at a heart level god's not interested in behavior modification he's not interested in you just changing what you do he wants to change your heart and out of a transformed heart comes a transformed life and you start to naturally flow in that it's the embodiment of christ in his people that's what it means to go from an orphan to a son you become legitimized and that legitimacy happens in your heart, as your heart is transformed. Too much happens in the church, too much teaching goes on, which is trying to get people just to change how they behave. But as Jesus said, the, the fruit really comes from the healthiness of the tree. So if you've got struggles in your life, it's in your heart, and God wants to do a work to transform your heart, so then everything else comes and falls in line with that. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff. A lot of heart ministry. We love the heart journey. It's messy. It's crazy. It's chaotic and yet ordered at the same time. It's a, it's a full-on uh, thing to, to journey through, but it's, it's God's design. It's His plan and for the church to, to minister to itself in that way. So this whole idea of, of transformational prophecy. And so God's Word, when God's Word is released in prophetic ministry, whether through a prophet or you're just someone who prophesies, which is all of us to do, the word, the, and I'm talking about the rhema word, like that now word of God, which could be a scripture, or it's just what God is saying right now to that person. It's about transforming the heart of that person. It has a substance. The word of God carries a substance. It's living. When it says it's living and active, it means it's alive. The word of God is alive. So when the word of God is released, it, it has a work to accomplish, and that work is always to bring life. But it's to literally like a substance. It's not just, oh, that's a good directional thing. I'll change, you know, course. We'll, you know, we'll set the sails to this kind of angle and hopefully things will change. But it's like, no, the Lord is speaking to me. He cares about my heart and he wants to see me change. So I'm actually going to flow and walk in the things that he has for me in the destiny that God has on my life. And we are God's vessels. We're the vessels of His Spirit. We're vessels of His glory. We carry the Lord around with us every day. How amazing is that? I say all the time to our people, I just, every time I say that you have the Holy Spirit living in the very Spirit of God, it's just mind-blowing and mind-boggling reality. The fullness of God dwells in you by His Spirit. How crazy is that? And the reality is that His Word flows through His vessels. He wants to use you. God could declare himself, and he does through nature. You know, the, the, 
the, the God's nature, the stars declare the glory of God. It's, it's creation is putting his glory on display. But the way that his word flows is through his people. You know, as Jennifer uh, shared, you know, like nothing happens until a prophet speaks out that word. So the Lord releases it, but it's almost to say he's waiting for the, for the prophet to release it. And then the angels hear and they go to action and the work gets accomplished. But there's, there's a, a pathway and a process for the word of God to be released. And his word flows through his vessels. You and I are carriers of the spirit of God, but we are vessels for the word of God to be released. And that's interpersonal speaking into the land that's speaking into the airwaves that's speaking to to leaders and in every realm we are vessels for the word of god to be released so the issue comes that if the vessels are tainted then the word will naturally be tainted so we want the pure flow of the word of god we want the unadulterated word of god to be heard we don't want my version of god's word that kind of came to me and then comes through and the problem is I can't avoid my heart. I can't avoid my belief systems. I can't avoid uh, the, the uh, effect of sin in my life. I just can't avoid that. And that will taint the Word of God. Any brokenness, any insecurity, any pride, all of those things which exist in our heart, and they're still there even after the point of salvation. So when you're born again by the Spirit, you are a new creation. Your spirit is renewed. You come into new life, but your heart and your soul stay the same. And often we have an experience of the grace of God, which is His empowering presence. We come into salvation and it's almost like everything comes alive and you're like, I'm never going to sin again. I'm a new person and I believe that the old is gone, the new has come. And then a week later, what happens? The same old things start creeping up because they reside in the heart. So now the Lord doesn't look at you in the same way. He looks at you and he's like, this is my son. This is my daughter. They've been made righteous by my spirit. The finished work of Christ, it is finished. Jesus wasn't joking around. He's like, no, no, it's the work has been done. The work has been applied to you. You have received the righteousness of Christ. So according to the Lord, positionally, you are made right with the Lord. But now walking out as a son, as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, that's a different story. That's God working in you to actually produce the manifestation of the righteousness that is placed in you as a seed. It's the outworking of that. Now, your whole sanctification journey is also a work of God. <laughs> That's what that verse says, you know. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to work for His good pleasure. So God says, work while I work. Partner with me in the working out of, the, of my righteousness that I've placed in you. And this is really, really, really important to believe. Because if you look at the behavior in your life and your sinful responses to life and your brokenness and your pain, and that starts to shape your identity, that's going to have a really negative impact on you. But you need to know it's not who you are anymore, but it's very much part of your heart and needs to be dealt with. That's why Jesus still on the other side of the cross, we're called to repentance we're called to be a people that forgive. We're called to righteousness. All of those standards. But now because of the Spirit of God, which releases the grace of God, we're actually able to walk in the fullness of God. Amen? All right, so when it comes to prophecy, we want to prophesy in Jesus' name. Yeah? Good. We've got that bit down 
down pat. Now, what does it mean to prophesy in Jesus' name? Well, of course, it means that you say something and then you say, in Jesus' name. And it's like the magic word that ticks the box that makes it happen. Isn't it? Yeah. So, well, I pray this in Jesus' name. So, well, it's going to happen now because I put the little tagline, I signed it in Jesus' name, and now it's going to happen. Well, it's not. It's not a magic word. It's not abracadabra in Jesus' name. It's going to happen now. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? What does it mean to prophesy in Jesus' name? Well, it means to prophesy in the character and the nature of Jesus himself. That's what it means to prophesy in Jesus' name. It's to prophesy as he would prophesy. So if God gives me a word, and all of a sudden he was to extract me, and Jesus was to come to stand in my place, that word would be released in the same way as what I would have said it. To prophesy in Jesus' name. So it means to do it in the nature of Jesus, the character of Jesus. Now again, you can learn all the things about Jesus, but he's not interested in you learning his behavior. He's interested in you becoming just like him. Being transformed into his likeness. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is one who follows their rabbi, but their goal is not just to emulate their behaviors, but to become just like them. So as you would look at the rabbi and you'd look at the disciple, and they're like almost one and the same. So our character, how Christ-like we are, determines whether or not we are prophesying in his name. Now again, we start small. We start immature, and you've got to start somewhere. Okay, so we know this is a process. The heart journey is a journey. It's not a destination. Sanctification is a journey, not a destination. So God is always working in your life to purify your heart, to bring you more into the fullness of Christ, to change you more into the likeness of Jesus. So we understand it's not, well, I'll wait till I'm ready, and then I'll start doing the things that God has for me to do. Not at all. You start with what you got. And God works in that to then form you and change you. Jennifer, are you still growing as a person? (laughs) Hallelujah. So it happens, but we need to understand how important that process is. We were talking yesterday, and and, you know, the, the reality is that the glory of God can kill you. The glory of God can destroy you. And the Lord wants to promote you, but He doesn't want His glory to destroy you. But we need to take responsibility for us. So prophets or prophetic people, who's a prophetic person? Well, yeah, what are the rest of you then? Yeah. We can pray for that. We're all prophetic people. Yeah? Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. If you're a sheep, you're a prophetic person. You hear his voice. So all of us need our hearts transformed more and more in the likeness of Jesus in order that we can truly prophesy and speak out what the Lord wants to be heard in the nations. But without the character of Christ manifest in our hearts, we can speak out what He's saying, but we won't necessarily speak out His heart and His nature. The Word won't come, you know, we can literally speak out the words, but it won't have the same impact because it's not the full substance of the nature of God being released. How we say the word is often as important as the word itself. How the word is delivered, the vehicle. Now, if people look at you and they look at your life and your life doesn't kind of mirror in some way the nature of Jesus, you can have the most accurate prophetic gift in the world and yet people might not listen to you. Because like, well, I I hear what God's saying, but I, I don't agree with the vessel that it's coming through. So that has an impact as well. 
So the gift of prophecy is a gift. Now there's the calling and the office, the Ephesians 4, uh, 11 onwards, uh, you know, office of the prophet, but prophetic gift is a gift. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you know, I desire that all of you would prophesy. That's the expectation that every single person would prophesy, but it is a gift and you don't work for a gift. If you work for a gift, then it's no longer a gift. You just receive a gift. So when you receive the gift of prophecy, you just receive it as a gift. You haven't earned it. You haven't worked for it. You may have asked for it, but it's still a gift from God. And so this doesn't qualify you for prophetic ministry. Your character is what qualifies you. God is responsible for the gift, but you are responsible for your character. Don't leave that up to God to do that work. What does Paul say? Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. You know, reveal any wicked way in me. He's like, I'm putting myself before you, Lord. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. Seek after righteousness. He doesn't encourage us, just try and avoid unrighteousness at all costs. Just please, and this is often what pastors might say, can you please just try not to make a complete mess of your life? Even if you do nothing good, just try not to do anything bad. Save us the hassle. But that's not what Jesus said. He says, no, no, seek after righteousness. Pursue after righteousness. So that's to say, whatever state that you're in, you're going, you know, I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm pretty, pretty sorted. I don't, you know, I don't have any big hang-ups or addictions. And, you know, I'm, I'm just doing pretty good. And she's like, well, that's fantastic. But seek after righteousness because there's more righteousness for you. There's more. There's more healing. There's more wholeness. There's more fullness of Christ. God is responsible for the gift, but you are responsible for your character. You are responsible. A disciple follows the rabbi. The rabbi doesn't chase the disciple around saying, come on, please, keep, you've got to do this now and do this now. We are to follow after Jesus, to look at his life, and not just to emulate his behavior, but to allow the Lord to transform our hearts so we actually embody his nature. Amen? All right. Another important thing that we need to do as prophetic people is to learn how to wield the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now again, it's the, the Scriptures which God has spoken, but it's whatever God is saying, that's the Word of God. It's what He is speaking out in a moment. And it might, it'll always, it won't contradict Scripture, but it might not be a Scripture, but it's like, God's, I feel like God's saying this. That's the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now you notice that the Word of God pierces. Immature prophets like to slice and dice. <laughs> Then it's like, I've got this sword, you know, it's like giving my three-year-old a, a giant samurai sword, you know, something bad's going to go down, like somebody is going to lose a limb, <laughs> That's it. it's about to go down, <laughs> something bad's going to happen, she's going to slice and dice everything, you know, we c came in the, like a couple of weeks ago and there's all of this pink fluff all over the floor and we're like, oh my, what the hell? going on and it was her little like pony thing what's the pony's name pinky pie pinky pie the pony had a haircut and uh so 
She's at that age where she doesn't realize it, that it doesn't grow back. But, uh, but you understand that, that an immature person with the sword of the Spirit, and that's the thing, when you get the gift, you could be completely immature in your faith. It could be at the moment of salvation that the Lord awakens you, often for people that have even journeyed in ungodly practices of prophetic ministry because the gift has been in there, active, and yet they haven't known the Lord, so they've operated in you know, fortune-telling and different things like that. So the gift has been happening. Now, there's a sanctification process that needs to go on in that. But you can understand that, and if they don't know how to relate to people, they don't know how to wield that well, they can speak out a whole lot of what God is saying and yet do a heck of a lot of damage. Because they're just throwing words out and chop, 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 chop. And people get destroyed. Yet it's got, not God's heart to do that, they, but they think they're doing the right thing. And they can look and go, well, you know what, it's actually, it's not, it's not my fault. You just can't receive the word of God. It's like, no, you just, you just tore me to shreds. How, I can't receive that. And yet the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing. A mature prophet knows how to take a word, even a harsh word, because God, as much as it edifies and exhorts, doesn't mean it's, you want to hear it. Okay? But it pierces. It's like it knows the sweet spot, and it just jabs and straight in there. Have you ever received a word from God? Maybe someone spoke to you, and you're like, I really don't want to hear that right now. But I can't deny that it's true. I can't deny that that's God, but... Man, I really didn't want to hear it, or I particularly did not want to hear it from you. (laughs) Anyone else could have said it. Mature prophets know how to pierce with the word. They They know how to get to the heart of the matter. And this is what that scripture says. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So part of the prophetic ministry is getting to the heart of the matter. And that's getting to the heart of the person, because the heart of the matter is always the matter of the heart. So when you are prophesying over, over a person, it matters how you treat that person. If you don't love them, if, you know, then it's, that matters. That makes a difference. If you don't have love overflowing in your heart, if you don't know how to care, if you don't know the right timing to release that word. You know, it says, I had the scripture here before, but you know, the, it says the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. Which means that that's your spirit is subject to me. I'm in control of my prophetic gift. Okay, so it's like, I've got it, I've got to release this. Like, no, you don't. Or in a church and I went to the pastor and they said, no, now's not the time. Oh, how dare they? Grieve the Holy Spirit. It's like, no, you're subject to that. You're not out of control. If there's a spirit in you controlling you to do something, it's not Jesus. It's not the Holy Spirit. That's another spirit. And we can slice and dice that sucker. So. <laughs> so prophets minister to the heart. They always get to the heart of the matter. That's the role of the prophetic. Which means it requires training in more than just how to accurately hear God. So part of what I think one of the issues is, is that the foundation of the church hasn't been laid in the way that God has designed and, and destined it to live. And we know that apostles and prophets lay the foundation. Okay, apostles and prophets lay the foundation. And Jesus is the cornerstone. So, if you imagine this, 
This is the foundation, this lectern. This is the cornerstone. And it gets placed in the point. So this is Jesus, okay, in the building. Now, whatever gets built gets measured off the cornerstone. So if I was to lay another block, it's going to line up with that one and head in that direction. Now, if I was to lay one here, it's going to measure off this one. And if I lay one on top, it's going to measure off this one. Whatever gets built is going to be in alignment with that cornerstone, which means if the cornerstone isn't right, whatever gets built ain't going to be right. If it's askew, then everything else, because it gets measured off that point, off the angle of that, off the trajectory of that, everything else gets skewed. So if the foundation isn't laid, which is laid by apostles and prophets with Jesus as the cornerstone, then everything else gets distorted in the building process. Now, again, the issue is that we don't have, um, in my non-judgmental perspective, uh, you know, true apostles and prophets rising up in the land. Because the foundation hasn't been laid rightly, because there's been generational wounding and misuse of the ministry of the apostolic and the prophetic. Because, I mean, I'm, I go right back to Constantine at the point where the church was a missional organic movement. And then when, as soon as it became institutionalized and brought into the Roman government, then the spirit of, you know, heresy, uh, sorry, Herod and the Pharisees kind of came in that religious and political spirit and just distorted everything. Okay. So we're going through a process of reformation in the church slowly things are being restored and we're coming to a place now where the lord is restoring the apostolic and the prophetic but the problem is we can't we've got a lot of prophetic ministry that's not built on a prophetic foundation we've got a lot of apostolic ministry that's not built upon a kingdom foundation so it has a structure and it has the name and everyone looks at it and says oh that's apostolic but the problem is the foundation is not right it's not built on the cornerstone of Christ. So then you see people who go by the name and yet their nature reflects nothing of Jesus. And like there's something wrong with that. Because the foundation hasn't been laid. Jesus hasn't been placed first and said everything is measured off him. If it doesn't look like Jesus, it ain't God. It's something else. Everything that gets built in the church must follow the cornerstone. So when the church isn't built upon an apostolic and prophetic foundation with everything flowing in the nature of Jesus, then whatever gets built, including the prophetic ministry, won't flow in purity and fullness and wholeness. It's not going to reflect Jesus. And the problem is then we get tribes and families that grow up in these um, not kingdom foundations. Families get produced, but they become broken families. And yet babies keep getting born babies and prophets continue to be born but born into broken families where mum and dad are absent there's no right godly spiritual mothering and fathering so there's no raising up of children there's no maturing Again, Jennifer and I were talking about this yesterday, that there's a lot, not so much in Australia, but maybe more in the States where there's a lot of talk, spiritual mothers and fathers, and I'm your spiritual father, and you can be my son or my daughter, and all of this sort of stuff. And there's good stuff that happens, but a lot of it gets distorted. And it becomes, you, you know, I am your leader, and you are my minion, and you will, you know, I have a vision, and you will follow my vision, and we will accomplish these things. And it's like that the children serve the father. But I've, I've paid close attention that in our family, our kids don't do a heck of a lot of serving. <laughs> if you notice, when you've got little kids, like literally picking up, 
you know, I mean, one of our sons is like, can you pick up your socks and put them in? Oh, you're kidding me. Like, it's like the worst thing in the world. I'm like, seriously, no, we serve our children. Mothers and fathers serve the children. They don't make me dinner. My kids don't make me dinner. <laughs> I'm glad about that. I'm like, <laughs> pasta pockets every night. That's it. <laughs> but they'd be cold and then uncooked and they wouldn't know how to use the stove. But, um, but you know what I mean? Like, they, they, like we, I mean, when they do it, like we help to dress them. Like we, we, we shower them. We have to tell them what to do, but we nurture them. And our goal isn't to raise children. If you're a parent, your goal is to raise parents. Your goal is to raise, my, my thought is, not just on you as a child, my thought is when you become an adult. So I'm starting at those formative levels as a child, and I'm wanting to help you to come into that place of maturity. But parents serve children. So if, if someone's calling themselves a spiritual father, and they are not the greatest servant of all, then they're not a spiritual father in the kingdom of God. They might be a foster parent with, a, with some orphans. There's too many foster parents and too many orphans. And the problem is we say, oh, you've got to deal with the orphan heart. Well, you've got to deal with the foster parents too because the orphan heart lives in them. So we create these kind of orphanhood cultures. It's just crazy, dumb stuff that goes on in the church. In our, in our church community, my role is not to get you to fulfill my destiny and my vision. <laughs> my role is to get you to fulfill your destiny and vision. When Paul talks about the apostolic, he's, he's talking to himself. He's like, I'm the low one. I'm the low point here. Everything gets built upon the foundation of them. It's like, so I'm in the ground and everything's standing on top. That's, that's the heart of Jesus. The heart of a servant. I've said enough about that. You're getting the drift. So naturally then, as prophets are, are, are raised in broken families, this causes wounding and causes them to become wounded prophets. And wounded people, wound people. It's just the natural overflow of that. So prophets need healing in their hearts as well because of the effect of the church often in how they've been treated and how their gift hasn't been managed well. Prophets need healing in order to prophesy in purity in the nature of Jesus. But they also need healing for the wounds caused by the church. So when you come into salvation, there's going to be a whole lot of junk in your heart that needs to be dealt with. Okay? God sees it all. You probably don't see it all. God's not shocked by your sin. God's not shocked by your brokenness. He can handle it. That scripture that says, oh, I, don't, I don't even think it is a scripture, God can't dwell in the presence of sin. Nonsense. Heresy. He absolutely can, as Jesus did. But what he does is when he comes, the unrighteousness goes. Because he comes with righteousness and he, that's the word, displacement. Preach it, Richard. So when the gift of prophecy, or sometimes even when the word of a prophet is rejected in the church, it can cause the person to feel rejected. It causes the prophet to feel rejected because their gift is so much part of who they are. Because again, sometimes there's certain gifts, like maybe a teaching gift, where you can kind of 
activated, but you're not running around all the time bombarded by revelation. I just have to teach this and how am I going to get through life? But sometimes prophets, they're kind of in that. If you're sensing everywhere I go, there's, I'm seeing things and you're a seer and you're getting this and I'm picking up what's in the ground and I'm like, it's an uncontrollable thing going on. So it's, it kind of becomes a bit more part of you than, than some of the other giftings. So when you're in a place and that gets shut down, it's like, no, you can't, you can't have that here, you can't do that here. The word gets rejected and shut down. It's naturally going to have a, a deeper impact on that person's heart. The wounding, though, follows the prophet from place to place. <laughs> so then when a prophet gets wounded, then they go, well, well, I'm not welcome here, so I'll go to this next place. But they don't go as a whole prophet, they go as a wounded prophet. So they go with expectation, they go with rejection. <laughs> and they might come into a healthy environment, and all of a sudden says, oh, actually, we don't know you. So we're not going to let you just loose and, you know, let the word of God out because we don't know who you are. So how about you just come and be part of the community for a while and then we'll get that. But what that looks like is a bondage. It's a boundary, but it feels like a bondage. Well, how it's happened again. Happened again. These people don't want the word of God and they've rejected me again. And, and the wound builds and it goes from place to place to place to place. And it follows the person around and they become more and more and more wounded. And then one way to justify that wounding is to say, well, I'm just one crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Must be the spirit of Elijah on me. That's why. It's not because I'm broken and have deep rejection issues. It's not that at all. It's the spirit of Elijah. John the Baptist, so that's me. Because sometimes you might, you might be rejected as a prophet because people just don't want to hear the voice of God there's a reason why the Holy Spirit doesn't move in some churches that's because he does whatever the hell he wants to do heaven he wants to do he does what he wants to do that's what I'm trying to say he's free he's a free spirit <laughs> and why, why would you want that <laughs> because unless he can fit into my um, you know time schedule of how the morning is going to run you know? <laughs> so you might be rejected as a prophet and people don't want to hear it because they're just not open to receiving it. Or it could be because you're just a bit of a jerk. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's, the other, that's the other alternative to the situation. And you might go from place to place with your prophetic jerky gift. And nobody tells you that you're just not being received because you're a, you're a bit of a jerk. Because often we don't know what to do with that. We're just like, oh, you want to come prophesy? Oh, my gosh, this life's like a bit weird. And like, what do we do? Oh, actually, you know, yeah, maybe we're not just too sure about that. And just maybe sit over there and do something and, you know, shh. Like, just move over, you know, and get kind of pushed out. Because often we don't, like even in the church, we don't have the tools to equip people how to do the heart journey. So for us, I'm, and again, I just can only talk about our community and what we do, but we just love for people to come in just like, hey, just be. We're not, we're not about doing stuff here. And you might be the most gifted and amazing person on the face of the planet, and it's awesome, but we want nothing from you. We want nothing from people. We're not going to take anything from people. Now, as the Lord, if you come in and you've got something to give, we love to receive. And, and we want people to 
come into the fullness of expression. But, I mean, too much ministry happens in the church and not enough happens out there anyway. So, well, like more, we'll try and push people out. You want to prophesy somewhere? Awesome. You've got non-Christian neighbors and you've got a workplace and you've got a family. Start there because they need to hear it more than, I don't need another prophetic word to tell me the same thing about what God is going to do in my life. I've got enough, record them, I can listen to them over and over again. But, um, but I know the whole lot of people who never hear the Word of God out there. So. so when we don't have a family environment, we don't have spiritual mothers and fathers, and we don't have a, a culture built on an apostolic and prophetic foundation, then we don't even know how to take somebody through that healing process. Whether they're wounded because of the way the church has treated them, whether they're wounded because they just because they're just a human being, you know, as we all are, and they've just got brokenness and sin in their life. But we don't have the tools to equip people to actually help them to come into healing and wholeness. We don't know what to do with a broken vessel, except to kind of discard it. And then you've got people who come in, and they're like, oh, beautiful and shiny. Everything's clean on the outside. It's called a whitewashed tomb. And one of the things about a rejection wound, yes. (laughs) Rejection is a proximity wound. Whoever is closest cops the blame. Yeah, it's just one of those ones, man, rejection, it's like like a proximity wound. So whoever's closest to me, they're going to cop it. And they don't have to do anything. If you're carrying a rejection wound, which a lot of people carry if you're carrying that rejection wound. Man, it doesn't matter. You're, you're just waiting for someone to reject you. Just waiting. For, there's that expectation that it's going to happen. And whoever's closest to you is the one that cops it the worst. So even if you come into a safe environment, if that wound's not identified and dealt with, eventually those people are going to reject you. Because they didn't, asked you to do this and they didn't give you this opportunity or they didn't call you up when you ran away. I said, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm sick of hide and seek in the church. I don't like playing hide and seek as a pastor. It's like, let's play a different game. <laughs> play a different game. I don't mean, and I know people, were like, we, we run because we're scared and we run and all of that sort of stuff. But if your expectation is I'm going to come and find you, that's different. You aren't welcome to run away. Run away from all your problems. One thing I've learned is that your problems can generally run faster than you, though. They got endurance. <laughs> you can run, you run five miles. You're like, man, I finally, I've escaped my problems. I got out of that church with all their problems because they were the ones to blame, and I'm free now. And then, what do you know? You slow down, and they all catch up with you and overtake you. And, yep. So as I said before, it's so important that um, not just as, as a prophet, but as and in the church that we're creating contexts and environments and pathways for healing and restoration for people. That there's, a, there's an environment of honesty and confrontation where we can say, hey, you know what? I see you and I love what is on you, but I also see some stuff that the Lord needs to work on. And we value you more than we value your gift. And we'd rather you never use your gift again. You come into wholeness and purity and the fullness of Christ and life and restored relationship and everything that God wants to do because that is the fullness of life. Because God, again, God doesn't, he doesn't need your gift. 
He wants it. He wants you to walk in that, but he loves you as a son and a daughter. I don't want my kids to grow up and be successful, you know, millionaire businessmen and then but be sick or have broken families and be in chaos and destruction. And I want them to be whole. Whatever they do is, well, that's always secondary to, to them. But we don't care about people in the church sometimes. We care about what people have to offer. And then we have this revolving door of burnout. Burnout in the church. That's the craziest concept in the world. Because we've got access to the grace of God, the very empowering presence, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Like that's what exists in the church. That's what should be flowing. And yet people burn themselves out. Like what fuel are you running on? Anyway, moving on. Another thing about prophets, that prophets are prone to be alone. You've got to find your tribe and you've got to connect into a people and you've got to expect that God wants to do a work in your heart so junk is going to come up and people are going to treat you poorly and pay attention to how you react to people because that's your responsibility. Nobody can make you do anything bad. Yeah? Nobody can make you offended. If you get offended, it's because you have an offendable heart. If, if someone rejects you, it's because you are rejectable. Like that's in your heart. You know, someone is like, oh, they didn't receive me. It's like, oh, well, no big deal. It's like, oh, they rejected me and it's wounded me so deeply. And it's like, that's, that's, that's in you. That's your response to other people's sometimes bad, sometimes not bad behavior. I can only take responsibility for me. I can't take responsibility for you. You know, we say here, your offendability is not my responsibility. And if you're a prophet, you might not fit anywhere. But you need to find where you belong. You might not be able to find anywhere that you fit, but you will be able to find somewhere where you belong, where you can be received for who you are. Now, you might be a bit crazy and wacky, and that might just be the gifting on you. Or you're just naturally a crazy, wacky kind of person, and that's not unrighteous. You're just one of those. And um, come on, we've all got one. You know? like the crazy uncle in the family it's like you've got one of those crazy prophets in the in the church but so it's like you don't might not feel like you fit but i feel like i belong when you find your tribe so important and to do that journey and i believe uh, as i said before that god is ra- uh, raising and restoring true kingdom mothers and fathers who raise true kingdom mothers and fathers and then we create family the kingdom is family if you what read through the bible and you see all the familial language in the scriptures mothers and father god son jesus brothers and sisters in christ it's all of that kind of language and what happens is then one church is a family and the next church down the road becomes part of the same family but that's like uncle so-and-so and and over here is auntie so-and-so and and their kids and you're just like spiritual cousins and you know there's not this competition because you don't you know like it's like when people ask oh how's your church going and, uh, and part of that question is the underlying is, oh, is it how, how big is it? You know, um, how many people have you got? And when I think about it, it's like with a family, if people ask Lisa, you know, oh, how, how's your family going? Um, you know, we're not thinking like, oh, it's good. Like, we've only got three kids at the moment, but we're really praying for more. And, um, you know, we're doing some, uh, some you know, we're going we're gonna to foster and we're just trying to get the biggest family possible. You know, and I know it's not as big as your mega family down the road, but, um, you know, like... 
yeah, it's just, yeah, we're trying, you know, we're trying our hardest and uh, it's exhausting, but you know, we're doing our best. <laughs> the sanctification process happening in my mind. So, let's uh, wash me clean. <laughs> but if it is family, when someone asks about our family, we, they say, how's your family? And we can say, oh, well, well this is how Noah's, you know, doing this, this is what's happening, and this is what's happening with Mike, and this is what's happening with Abigail. And we don't talk about how many, because we, we talk about our kids, because each one is valuable and precious, and, and, we're, and we're focused on how each one is growing. And, and if that's what a family is like, like how far do we take this kind of family metaphor of the church? Well, I think we should take it a lot further than where we have today. Because if you ask me, how's your church going? I can tell you about nearly every single person in our church. And we have some idea. And if I don't know exactly, I know who to ask. Every single person in our church is known in some capacity, even if they've run away. We know where they've run to. <laughs> That's all we know. <laughs> I had, can I share with our conversation the other week? Okay, you trust me. I won't say who, but we're, we're having a conversation and, uh, and just about some like breakthrough and like um, amazing stuff and how God, like looking back over a year, sometimes you have like an anniversary or something, you go, wow, I've seen how much I've changed. But um, Lenny was saying to me, so you know, when I first came and I, you know, I used to just hide so much and, uh, and I said to her, I said, I oh, know, but we've got x-ray vision. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm reminded when my kids sometimes play hide and seek with a little, like they'll bury their head under a cushion, their whole body's sticking out. And it's like, um, it's not really how you play the game, you know. Like people come into the church, I'm like, I'm, I'm hiding, I'm, no one sees me. And it's like, everybody sees you. But it's like, but if I keep quiet, no one will see me. And um, yep. You're awesome, we love you. Yeah. Another incredibly important thing that we've discovered is that prophets need pastors. Now again, I'm talking about like true pastors, not just like, oh, pat you on the back, God bless you. You know, um, yeah, shepherds, that's it. That's a better word to say, shepherds. So in the, when I say partial, I mean in the Ephesians 4, fivefold context. Prophets need shepherds. Uh, the scripture in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And what more accurate kind of description of a prophet is someone who sees God and communicates what they're seeing. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall accurately see the Lord and be able to communicate and demonstrate. So that purity of heart process, that's the shepherd's role in a community, is helping in the process of people coming into purification of their hearts. Shepherds help to form true prophets. Uh, shepherds discern the heart, which can often be the most forgotten part of the prophet. Because they, they connect spirit to spirit. And everything gets filtered through here. So the heart kind of gets dismissed and, and kind of ignored a bit. Because, well, what, what do I need to work my heart for? I hear directly from God. You know? I have a hotline to the Lord. Like, what do I need to work from my heart for? You know? And you just need to receive the word of the Lord. But the problem is the heart comes into that and it does distort. So shepherds help in that process. You know, Ephesians 4.11 where it talks about, you know, the fivefold ministry and being given. And it's the end of that little passage in verse 17 is that it would come into the fullness of Christ. 
So we, you know, in our community, we, we talk about the five-fold ministry being like five elements of Jesus. He was the true apostle and the true prophet and the true evangelist and the true shepherd and the true teacher. And the purpose of the fivefold is not to just so that if I'm apostolic to raise up the apostles and, to, and then the prophet comes and raise up the prophets, that's part of it is to release and send people. But it's also that everyone in the community would become an apostolic people. That the whole community family would become a prophetic people, would become an evangelistic people. Okay, So it's the five make the multitude one in the nature of the one. Yeah? So it's the five help the many to come into unity, into oneness, and then into the fullness of Christ in the fullness of the one. Jesus gave five to make the multitude one as they are transformed into the likeness of the one. That's the end game of fivefold ministry, is not to give people titles. That's the servant role to come to build up the body so they can re- reach maturity, unity, and the, ultimately the fullness of Christ. Because if you're not walking in, if you're not being shaped apostolically, then you're not truly prophetic. If you're not operating evangelistically, you're not truly a shepherd. Because you're missing part of Jesus. Now again, we know it's a journey. So don't hear me like you've got to, oh, now I'm disqualified. I have to go back to the start and get perfect before I can do anything. It's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying if you're not heading in that direction, it's God's not interested. If you are if you are a prophetic person or you are a prophet, you need to get around some shepherds so they can minister to your heart. You need to get around some evangelists. You need to be in a community where you're receiving all of those dynamics because that's what's going to bring you into the fullness of Jesus. And it's in the fullness of Jesus that the prophetic ministry will flow in an amazing way. All right. We're going to minister to some wounded prophets. If you don't mind. All right, who's walking with a limp? Anyone? I am, I hurt my foot actually. Who wasn't walking with a limp before they came into this afternoon session? There? Yeah. I'm not a prophet, so I I don't don't even know how to use the sword. I use other tools. (laughs) Hammer, (laughs) that's my tool. (laughs) Um, But you know what, it's it's, uh, as a, as a, someone who I believe, you know, God is shaping my heart more and more as a, as a father, um, as a spiritual father. I just, I really love people's hearts. I love people and our heart as a community is to see people come into wholeness and fullness. And, uh, and we just would really love to pray, but uh, we get Amy who oversees all of our shepherding ministry, our heart life team, I'd like to come up and just some of, some of the team. And we just want to invite you forward um, and just to, to minister. You might be someone you're like, you know what, I've acknowledged that I've just been ignoring my heart. I, I know I flow in the prophetic, but I've just been ignoring my heart. And the problem is that just because you ignore your heart doesn't mean it's not getting wounded along the way. You know, you can be wounded, but you just kind of push it aside because, oh, well, they're not receiving me. But no, you're going to feel all of that sort of stuff. And we want to pray for those who have been wounded by the church. And I would like to repent on behalf of the church for the way that the church has treated you. As, as a prophet, as an intercessory act, if you don't mind. So um, if, you, if you want it, come and come forward and receive it. And I ate a mint at the wrong time.
I just feel on behalf of any churches that you're at, I'm really, I really want to repent on behalf of the shepherds who have not looked after the prophets. I just stand in the gap for every shepherd in every church, and I'm just so sorry for not being honest about anything in your heart um, that we were afraid would cause chaos or we, were, uh, we didn't know how to manage um, any dysfunction in your life or in your family. And we have manipulated or moved you around or silenced you or squashed you or moved you out or used your gift but not looked after your family. I am just so, so sorry for, for using you, for missing your heart. I'm so sorry for judging you. I'm so sorry for judging you. <laughs> I'm sorry for judging your gift. I'm sorry for using you. I'm sorry for not knowing how to shepherd you. We need you. We need you. We love you. We, we want to love your family. And we want to love you. And we, I just, on behalf of shepherds, ask you to forgive us. Ask you to forgive the church. Will you forgive us? And we just, I want to ask for permission that you would trust us with your hearts again. And trust us with your hearts and your families. So we can love you and release you to be the prophets that the Lord has called you to be. But I'm so sorry. And if you would ask the Lord to give you that trust back to put into the church to look after you and to bring you through. We are with you. We're with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. We just pray. If we just have the ministry team come up and anyone else want to come forward and um, yeah, we'd just love to pray for you. And uh, It might even be something we feel like, well, I don't feel like I'm good, but there's been wounding in the past. Um, we just want to, we'd just love to cover you and love on you. just as a blanket prayer before we start father jesus i just pray that you would come now and minister to any church trauma any betrayal trauma father in the room here any betrayal trauma on behalf of the church father any trauma that has happened father where gifts haven't been understood where where there's been a trauma in the family of the church lord and a breakdown of relationship jesus i ask right now that you would just lift off the trauma Jesus, would you lift off the trauma right now in Jesus' name? Just come and lift off the trauma of the judgments of not being understood, Jesus. Would you just come close right now, Jesus, and just lift off the trauma in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Just lift off the trauma in Jesus' name. Any betrayal trauma, especially on behalf of the church, as we've just repented, Jesus, would you just lift off the trauma? Just lay hands. Lay hands. Just lift off the trauma in Jesus' name. Father, if there's been confusion of the gift, Lord, and, and it's caused trauma, I just pray, Lord, in any area where there's been a breakdown in relationship with you, who've given them the gift, Lord, that you would lift off the trauma of our, on our faith. Lift the trauma off spirits right now in Jesus' name. Lift the trauma off the spirit right now in Jesus' name, where there's been a trauma to their faith, where it's come between you and them. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, where there's been any church wounds or misunderstanding, where there's been a rejection or a squashing, we just lift off barriers in the name of Jesus. We lift off control in Jesus' name. We lift off control off them in Jesus' name. We lift off shame off them in Jesus' name. We just lift off the shame in Jesus' name. We lift off control in Jesus' name. And we lift off the judgments in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, where we've repented of judging these people, Father, I just pray that you would lift off every judgment, lift every word curse out of their spirit right now in Jesus' name. Every word curse in the back of their head and in their face, in their face, in the cheeks, Father. Would you just lift every word curse off them in Jesus' name? Lift it out of their back in Jesus' name, out of their spine, out of their spirits. Every label that has blocked them in Jesus' name, lift off the word curses. And I just thank you for the healing balm of Gilead to go into every place right now. Jesus, where those word curses have been. We cancel every assignment of the enemy. We cancel those judgments. We repent of those judgments and we renounce every judgment spoken over these people. We renounce those judgments and we bring them to death on the cross right now in Jesus' name. We bring every judgment to death in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We cancel that assignment. We cancel those judgments. We wash them. Come and wash, Jesus. Come and wash. Father, I just pray where trust has been broken between uh, the prophets and people, where interpersonal trust has been broken. And Father, right now, I pray that you would come and minister to trust. Would you just come close as a gentle father, Lord, to their hearts and come and minister to trust. Come and minister to trust. Come and minister to trust, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would begin to rebuild trust in their inner man in Jesus' name. Would you make it safe for them? Would you make it safe for them, Jesus? Would you make it safe for them, Jesus? And I pray for hearts to come alive. I pray for hearts to come alive in Jesus' name. We bless their hearts. We bless their hearts. We bless their hearts. We bless their hearts. If any of hearts are, are hardened, Father, I just thank you that you turn the hearts into flesh. I thank you that you turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, Jesus. I bless their heart. I bless their hearts. We bless their hearts. We love their hearts. We love their hearts. We bless 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 them, Jesus. We bless them, Jesus. We bless their hearts. Father, I just pray that you would bring your healing balm of Gilead right now, Lord, and just heal their hearts, heal their hearts, heal their hearts. Father, I pray a special uh, blessing over their families, Lord, if any of them have family tra a trauma, relational breakdown, especially marriages, where there's even histories of divorces, Father, where there's been brokenness and, and trauma in their marriages, Father, or in their, in their parenting. Jesus, I just pray for complete, I just ask for reconciliation in the family, Jesus. Would you come close and rebuild home? Father, we champion around them and we fight for their families on their behalf, Lord. Their kids will come through. Their kids will come through. We fight for them, Jesus. They're tired. Their kids will come through. They've been speaking into our lives. They've been prophesying over our families, our marriages. We prophesy into theirs. You will live. 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 Breakthrough in your family, not just ours. Breakthroughs in your families. Bless your homes. Bless your families. Bless your generations. We bless your generational line. 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 
We bless it. We cancel the assignment against your home. We speak trust and faith over your needs. We speak into your needs. You will live. Your needs will be met. Your promises will come through. Your promises will come through. Your promises will come through. Father, if any here have come into agreement with rejection, it's not your friend. It's not your friend. And the fear of man is not looking after you. It's, not, it's working against you. Father, would they just give you permission to come out of agreement with rejection? Just say, I come out of agreement with rejection. I come out of agreement with the spirit of rejection. I come out of agreement with self-rejection. I come out of agreement with self-rejection. Just utter that. I come out of agreement with rejection. I come out of agreement with self-rejection. I come out of agreement with it. It's not your friend. Just renounce that partnership. I come out of agreement with fear of rejection in Jesus' name. Utter that. I come out of agreement with fear of rejection. And I renounce that expectation. I renounce that expectation. I renounce the expectation. And I forgive those who have sinned against me. I forgive those who have rejected me. And I repent for judging them. So we, Father, we just bind every stronghold of expectation of rejection. We bind those strongholds of fear in Jesus' name. And we bring them to death on the cross in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we bind every spirit of fear and every spirit of rejection. Let your people go. Let these people go. Be gone. We hand you over to Jesus. We just bind every spirit of rejection. We bind every spirit of fear. And we lift off the shame. The shame of reproach. The shame that's come with the rejection. We lift off the shame in Jesus' name. We lift off the shame in Jesus' name. We lift off the shame in Jesus' name. You're accepted. You're acceptable. You're accepted. You're acceptable. You're wanted. You belong. You're wanted. You belong. You're acceptable. Your family. We call you home. We call you home. We call you home. Come family us. We call you home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We call you home. Let us love you. Let us love you. Let us love you. Let us love you. Give him permission to build trust into you. Give him permission to build trust into you. Come home. We love you. We just bring all those expectations to death right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for resurrection life. Build in resurrection life right now in Jesus' name. Build in your healing, Jesus. Build in your healing. Build in your healing. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your healing. 
thank you for your healing. I'm so sorry you haven't been familyed well. I'm so, so sorry. Father, I ask for a special gift of spiritual mothers and fathers for every prophet here, Father. I ask that you would just send them, mums and dads, to grow them up and love them and hug them and hold them and tell them they'll be fine and fight for their families while they're fighting for ours. Surround them with families, Father. Surround them with parents. Bring shepherds for them, Jesus. Provide them with shepherds and pastors, Father, to just love them up and speak truth into their innermost being. See it, 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 see